0: For more information, visit truecrimelive.com or follow the movie on Twitter at Last Rampage Film or on Facebook.com/slash Last Rampage Film.
3: Feral Audio. There
4: we go. Welcome, one and all, from Hollywood, California, Meltdown Comics Nerd Melty Theater. Hermantown is now in session. (laughs) Don't be alarmed that I'm not wearing a tie tonight. Just things are going to get loose. (laughs) Speaking of loose, let's bring out Spencer Crittenden. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Solo cup's down. Speaking of tights, bring up Mr. Dan Harmon, the mayor of Harmontown.
5: Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to my show. Thank you for coming to my show. Oh, oh. Thank you. I know you could have done something else tonight, but you came here instead and you paid. And that means a lot to me Oh, me Thank you, thank you Thank you, thank you Thank you, thank you I really thank you I'm full of gratitude for you
4: Also, I should mention Special vocal guest Jello Biafra tonight. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> not not familiar with his, his would, style. You but. sounded just like him. Oh. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I think I think our guest tonight is a uh, he's a he's a writer and uh, he 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 wrote a uh, a movie. Uh, I'm not introducing him yet. It sounds like an introduction. But he wrote a movie. I was just watching on uh, iTunes. Uh, uh, it's uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment. It was, uh, it was uh, and, and and so uh, it's a feel good film. I think just, I think just talking to him about writing and talking about that movie and 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 all of the thoughts about that is like enough. Uh, like I don't need to babble too much. I don't have anything that wouldn't fit
4: within the context of a conversation with him. Now, I say you and I and Spencer, we catch up briefly. We talk right. about where we're at. Do we do business? Well, I have a, We have some business to talk about. We have some important business. I haven't picked up my gun yet.
1: Right. Been... Ten
4: day
0: waiting period has turned into two months of yeah, apparent what... normalization on my part. Apparently I'm normalizing.
4: So someone's gonna break into your house and you're gonna be like, oh Jesus Christ, I gotta run to Burbank to get to that gun store.
0: It would be the story of my life. I had I had Batman security cameras installed all over my house and then uh and then uh, uh, I was part of some weird. Los when he Felix. says Batman
4: security cameras, are like like they have little bats on it, like it's like the underoos of security cameras. Right.
0: And then I was my mailbox was part of some Las Feliz wide uh, wet bandits uh, Joe Pesci Daniel Stern mailbox rating where some g- two guys wanted to look at my uh, piles of furniture catalogs really bad. And, and also, but I could have had them on camera. I, I could have, but the, whatever yes of course someone's gonna break in before I get my gun so I don't get
4: to deliciously shoot them <laughs> I can't I oh but in a in a pre-Trump universe if somebody was just like breaking into your house because they were poor and needed the money you probably would just say hey like take what you want but now you're gonna feel like you're under a, you're under siege I think it's more like in a post-Trump
0: universe I would if it's if someone's breaking in I'm gonna go are you just poor? <laughs> Like like, like, right. like, like are you just r- out of food and money? And,
4: and I'll wait for a uh, yes. You've just told everyone, everyone that listens to this show how to break into your house without being shot. Well, I'm gonna, the timber of your voice
0: uh, is going to matter. You better, you better be able to fake a very authentic Latino-sounding... <laughs> you, you're not allowed to be offended by that because I'm saying I won't shoot you. If you're Latino, that's the opposite of racism, it's reverse racism. It's fantastic. If you sound white, I will fucking pop a cap in you. Uh, And uh, yeah, And, and, and white people don't act like you don't sound different when you're coming through a window. Uh, white white people come in your window like this. Can I have a cup of sugar? Anyways, black people come through your window.
5: It's in the way that you use it.
0: They love Eric Clapton. Black people. Ente, okay.
4: Ente nodded. Uh, all right, all right, the, 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 where, where was I? Where was I? You, uh, you were saying that all Latinos are poor and white people are rich. Let me see. <laughs> Saying that our,
0: our 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 brothers of a of a of a different color are, are are under threat and in a post-Trumpocalypse universe, my gun has been purchased for the sanctity of, of guarding my Danadu uh n- n- not, not so much from the hoi polloi as from the uh the uh the the the, uh, the asserters of a, of a of a of a newfound fascist state. Um <clears throat> so
4: you, you, you have no desire to go scoop up this gun and take it out. To because the Because I've
0: been like, well, he's not doing very good at taking over everything. He's having a bad time. He seems to be doing as badly as I would do. He's very grumpy and he's self-destructing. And it should—I—I I don't think the gun will be needed to protect my home because I think that. The ice caps will melt. I think I should go shopping for a canoe
4: paddle before. What would you have to see on Twitter or hear in your news alerts that made you get right into a car and get I to would the have gun to see shop? CNN's Brian uh, Stelter would have
0: to say, uh, another great day. Uh,
4: uh, uh, Trump Heil.
3: <laughs> you know, the like, leader
0: sorry. is
4: good. The leader is all.
0: Yeah, like I just—I'm I'm keeping my eye on the journalists, the journalists, the activists, the you know the prominent the folks. Like I'm—I'm I'm keeping my eye on certain buoys. If I see them go like this, I'm like, okay, the jaws shark is here. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta go pick up the gun. What are we talking about? i am gonna—I'm gonna. Don't worry,
4: kids. I'm gonna get my gun. You have uh, just told a million, a couple million people that you're currently unarmed at home right now. And if you—and <laughs> if you ask for sugar, you can go right through the window. You just fucked that up. You just I know
0: if you ask for sugar you're white and I will fucking kill you. Oh, oh. Well, okay, you you're told Not La- even listen. You told
4: Latinos that you, they could ask for sugar and go through the window if they could put on a Still nice Still
0: fucking it up. No, if you're white and you don't want to get shot, go ay 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 when you're coming in the window. If anything, I'm trying to yes and his fucked up racist point of view.
4: Here to I really reject. have gone too far tonight.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not gonna be, it's fucked up to like what you do. You antagonize <laughs> and you uh, undercut, uh, you uh, sabotage. It, it's fun to fuck up. I with try you. to get up here and I try to uh, speak my mind, I try to share my thoughts with people, and you're like, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And then I try to explain myself, and then you're like, aha, like, am I your enemy? These kids need wisdom. They need to know what color they're allowed to be if they're coming in my window. <laughs> the answer is less than white. <sighs>
4: less than white. Uh, I mean, I'll let, the, I'll, I'll let the audience handle that one.
0: I think it's I think it's more embarrassing the amount of time someone said less than white and then I went less than white and then the whole audience went whoa my white audience was like ah bingo we are we are institutionally racist uh yeah less than white you know what are you gonna do It's How we see the world what uh fragility I was talking we were talking about tonight on the ride over here the oh, fact yeah. that the, the the thing that made me buy a gun uh it the thing that I have in common with the people that we would probably I'm assuming most of us liberal uh would would uh, would associate with our so called enemy on the other side of the political spectrum. the thing we have in common the thing that I have in common speak for myself is like fragility the fact that I experienced things not going my way and that I went and bought fucking hardware that puts holes in people because it was like no matter no matter the Al Gores and dangling chads and the whatevers and the primaries and all this shit I had the luxury of going like systems and then and like something real happened that made me actually think this is going to change my schedule this is going to change how I have to behave next Tuesday I'm going to be held accountable to something and I went and bought a gun it's called fragility and it's, it doesn't matter how right you are, how wrong you are, how smart you are, how logical you are. It's like, it's a thing that's associated with privilege. You've been privileged. You're more fragile. You're you you going to be more reacting to things that are on a smaller scale than somebody who's maybe put up with shit that, you know, that and had to like be desensitized to it and realize that, well, oh, there's a pick your battles thing or whatever you would call it. And it's like, that's what we're learning firsthand. All of that talk, all that white privilege, all that stuff that I would like I would get offended by and I'd be like, "Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. It's not logical." See, there's nothing logical <laughs> about it. It's like a gut reaction. You find out what you're made of how and, and it turns out to be glass beautiful <laughs> pristine fucking glass, sugar glass uh as soon as something goes go, goes wrong that like fucks up with you know fucks with your picture of the universe. I bought a gun, I turned into a fucking sandy hook truther I, 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 like I, in terms of my behavior I was just like, I want my gun. yeah
1: we should have had, there would have we could have seen some bodies if that really happened right <laughs> <laughs> I, we we have we've waited this long. <laughs> to share with you something special about special. No, you already like me. It's too late.
0: Uh... I have to say, if you've already pe- signed off on Spencer. He's a Sandy Hook truther. Uh-huh. Is,
4: if there's any person in podcast history that could maybe get you to sign off on that, it would have to be Spencer. Yeah, Spencer.
0: Spencer talked long enough, like five minutes, I'd be like, all right, maybe, I guess, why Why was that coroner acting so weird? Uh, I, did, I, did, I went down a Sandy Hook hole today because I was listening to a true crime podcast, and then there was like mention of Sandy Hook, and then there was like reference it when Sandy Hook happened I didn't I was like I, I was probably like I was probably doing community and I was probably also just like the gross like you don't want to know about it like most of us but now it's like interesting it's like the magma's cooled and the stakes seem so much higher in this different spot and it's like all these things like so from a true crime perspective Sandy Hook gets mentioned and I started like they start mentioning like the thing I just started the, the today of all days I like went through I was like what was the, all that business like wh- why were people thinking it was fake what was going on and as I was going through it I thought it was really interesting to note that like it, it wasn't just like conspiracy it was like you had to be a whack job to 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 think that it was fake but you also excuse me I burped you have to you also had to be a whack job who was absolutely convinced that Obama was like Hitler, like he was going to, he was going to get you. He was going to, you know, and I I would personally speculate that that absolutely, given the total lack of empirical evidence that Obama was out to get us, like I have to, I'm sorry to play this card, but I have to assume you're a little itty bitty racist if you really thought from the moment that he got inaugurated that you're like, shit's going down. Um, because if you weren't, if you didn't have that lit, I think it comes down to that. I do also think it came down to something other than emails why you were choosing with all your logical fucking uh, things, uh, all your speeches that you made about why you're voting this way and that way, and you know, all your very salient points about the status quo and how to shake things up and all these things. Like, you don't like the vagina, you don't like the black people. Because I think there's other ways to rebel, and I think you know. But what am I going to do? What am I going to say to some kid who's like, "Let's oh, stir things up." I don't know. But uh, I just thought it very interesting looking at three-year-old, like, cooled obsidian, like, like people freaking out and recognizing the distorted shape of myself. Like, seeing people that were so hysterical, that were so convinced that they were living in the end times, politically that in the very real moment of a two dozen children being massacred, uh, that they would actually that, that, that politics could interfere that greatly with your, your fundamental human, Need for empathy that you would actually just skirt around it and start. Actually, you would rather just live in an alternate universe. You would, just, and I don't, I don't, because I don't think every single person that flocked towards those YouTube videos that are all the first thing that comes up when you Google Sandy Hook, I think those clicks aren't all the result of mental illness. I think you have to be pretty mentally ill to like put a lot of arrows and things and freeze frames and do all the things that the people that were presenting the videos, but then there's people that... They wanted it to be true, and the rhetoric about the oh the occupier in chief and oh he just wants this and he wants that. They were living in this Wizard of Oz where there was a wicked witch, and we got just got to get to the Emerald City of the truth, and we got to, everyone's going to get what they want, as though they're trying to take away. I've just got to throw the bucket of water, and we got to. I just and they're just not really acknowledging the fact that it, what they're doing in the present moment is haranguing the parents of murdered children, uh, and 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 I. It's like we're feeling that way right now. I am feeling that that way. I'm feeling the way they're feeling. That doesn't mean that I'm as crazy as them. It doesn't mean that I'm as wrong as them. But it does mean that we have the ability to fucking like just abandon all everything that makes us good when we get Excited when we get righteous and stuff, and I was like looking at my at my reflection in that twisted wreckage, and I have no point to any of you. This was more, so so I was already feeling depressed, but now you're telling me. Plus, on top of that, get over myself. What, that, what are you telling me? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like I don't know, man. I also I, w- I watched this documentary with this guy Daryl Davis, who's like the guy. Did you guys see that? It's like a, I can't remember what the title of it. Is he's like a guy who like he befriended. He's a black guy that befriended. Ku Klux Klan people, like for oh, for God. years and years, he's been like that. I don't have enough time to talk about. It. You should watch that documentary. Find it on Netflix or whatever, and and sit through it because he kind of it's like there's a there's a point like forty five minutes in where you're kind of like I get it. Uh, BB King played good guitar, but like like it it it, it it's like it, it 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 starts it's it feels a little bit at a certain point like like for the first half like your things are being repeated over and over again. Then he goes to Baltimore. Uh, and, And like he the shit is just happening like like crazy shit. So there's millennial activists, millennial black activists sitting down at a table with him after you've already watched the the polite whimsy of him sitting down with leaders of the KKK and skinheads and all these things and you take from it what you will and then he goes to Baltimore and it's it gets fucking balloon animal like crazy like like it could just you walk away from the whole thing i will warn you a little sad i mean because it's like fuck we're all fucked (laughs) but 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 it also it's like it's not like 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 oh just watch this documentary about how we're all fucked it's more like watch like watch this documentary about daryl davis that like it puts so much shit under the microscope. I've talked enough. I've uh, 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 talked enough. It's my show. Fuck you, people.
4: You haven't begun to talk. This is, this is your night... I'm, a, I'm obviously a little buzzed or something. I, I Damn! If, you, if your next if your next breath was going to be bringing our guests yes, yeah, so I was going to bring out our guests. Well, Can I can, I, can I okay. interject one little thing? Yeah. For those of you who have been wondering that well, whether or not the three of us uh, or this show would never get back to d anD ga- D or a Pathfinder role playing game, we decided not to.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: we decided Dan's race monologues were enough for you people. <laughs> But today we've actually generated characters. We're not playing tonight, but we we, we 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 have we 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 have we have a whole thing coming up. It's going to start. It's going to be a doozy. There was a little clerical error. The
0: characters we rolled were less than white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to re-roll some stats and uh, and make them as much
4: as white. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I want this episode to be called "Less Than White," just to see what happens for you, for your, for your, for your career.
0: I mean, if 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 my ironic, uh, based in reality, because I'm a, a Generation X, uh, foot foot and mouth uh, asshole, racism, is the if, if we have a crucifixion of me. Just just do it next to the White House. That's all I ask. Just like just and just put racist above my head. Like like and, and, and just like I just demand, just everybody just fucking like spit on my corpse. And 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 I, I just want anybody that works in Washington to be like, what did he do wrong? Well, he was racist. And I just want that person's lunch to change. Because they're gonna be like, he was right. Ra- fuck. <laughs>
4: I heard his podcast. He got a little tipsy sometimes, but Jesus Christ, I'm an actual, I I get out there and really do the hard racist work. I I did like a whistle stop thing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I, bought, I, I bought a weird hat. I sewed some things on my shoulder. Of my I dressed jacket.
0: as R2-D2 to <laughs> leave a town hall meeting uh, <laughs> under the auspices that it was early trick-or-treat. Um, all right. So our, uh, our next guest is an all-around screenwriter, TV, movies. Uh, like I said, his, uh, the most recent thing I was watching, maybe he's done more than this recently. Let's talk to him and find out. Please welcome our new friend, Tim Talbot. <laughs> got your name right and everything right like i didn't so? i'm a bad interviewer just i don't know if i told you that backstage i'm a bad interviewer but but I'm but a bad interviewee okay
3: good, good this good. will be great this, is this,
0: gonna will, be awesome. this will go great um so i'm gonna put a pin in like how you got started because i think your first job was south park right like
6: the first yeah like real kind of professional job well i mean before that i actually got hired to write a tv movie for mtv
4: Oh, okay. Um, that... Hey, Tim, I'm sorry. Just, just for audio here, get, get right in that microphone. Please. Get right in there. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like the... <laughs> oh, yeah. You're you, you Spencer, does it? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
6: <laughs> um, yeah, so like the first real sort of kind of professional
0: um, for a network job
6: was for South Park yeah like you uh
0: what did you send in the script now I said I'd put a pen in it but now I'm talking about it so you okay no
6: actually what happened was when I first moved out here right out of college I um became friends with a lot of people that were people's assistants and one of them was a woman named Amy Cohen who was George Clooney's assistant at the time and George was like one of the guys that sent out that first Spirit of Christmas take to everyone and so through her I met Matt and Trey's assistant Um, and then just for like a couple years I was like in their group so I was going to all their parties and all that kind of stuff and um, so they never read a word of me when
0: they hired me it was like oh that guy's funny bring him in you're clearly confident enough that you didn't insert any fake like and then I won a talent contest (laughs) (laughs) no it was just
6: like I hung out with those guys at a party and that's the way they ran their room
0: everyone's story of like if you're paying your rent with writing you're one of the fortunate ones then people ask about your origin story. How did you go from being oh, Tony Stark to oh, having this whole thing with the Jarvis and everything that, it, it, like, and the answer is never as satisfying as well, I got blown up by my own shrapnel and I had an awakening of the spirit that was brought to me by a magical person that was less than white in a cave. Um, laughter I, I like you we we never have that story. We don't we are not able to impart to them. How do you you, still, you cope with that really well cuz you just told the story that was like I ran a, I turned I turned I turned right on a green light and I slipped in a banana peel. <laughs> well no, before that though, I actually
6: um you know, I, I I I wanted to be an editor when I moved out here. I went to film school and and uh Editing was the only job that I could stand. Like, everything else was just, you know, you can't ever write what, exactly what you want to write. Because you went to film school. Yeah, I
0: did. So how did you know, did you do, when they teach you editing in film school, did they teach you that it's going to be, like, there's a person behind you over your shoulder that is, that is no. impossible? No. So, no, no, They're no, just no. teaching
6: you that the crap. No, they literally, the, the thing that was really kind of cool about the school I went to was that uh, day one, it was like a very much like a tech school. So here's a camera. Go start making shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found that in the process of making shit, it was so frustrating. We couldn't get good actors. We couldn't, you know, the the cinematography was never what you wanted. And then you finally get to the point where you're, you have to edit your film and there's a pile of shit you got to make into Shinola. Right. And um, for me, that was like as creative as writing. Right, you know? right. Um,
4: so I yeah I'm like one of well, those. So you, I'm sorry you became a, a you you got into editing after being asked to be a director and a filmmaker and you said no I I just I just prefer the editing part or well pretty much like when you're in, in film school you do everything you know? okay you, yeah. and and part of my whole thing was
6: that I figured out that um, if I'm going to be a director um, I have to know the limitations of everyone else's job so you crew on everybody else's movies and and you just kind of come to to like what you like. But with editing, for me, it was just everything about the process up until that point was such a disappointment that <laughs> finally to be locked in a room and just be like, well, now make this into something that you're not uh, ashamed to show to people right. was cool. And then when I moved to California, uh, I moved out here with like 20 bucks in my pocket and one friend from college. And I might as well have stayed on the East Coast because I couldn't get my foot in the door anywhere. Um, and then I figured out that the only thing I could do without being hired to do it was to write a screenplay. Right. And, um, you know, I, I just started writing and got repped off the first screenplay. And, 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 and luckily, I also met a trust fund kid from New Jersey who wanted to be a producer. Donald Trump? It was not Trump. <laughs> um, but he basically paid for me to learn how to write. So uh-huh. I wrote three scripts for this guy before I ever got hired for anything.
0: That sounds familiar. I mean, I, I feel like I, yeah, we, we, we airbrush our backstories. Like, I... I I could get really specific about my path from Milwaukee to Los Angeles. It does involve like little like low rent benefactors who are like 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 there's like it's it's always very molecular and granular. Anyways, but uh, but it's never it's never a satisfying thing to say to a kid who's saying, how do I get where you are? Tell me. And you can never give them a straight answer.
6: Well, there is a straight answer to that. And that's just don't leave. I mean, literally,
0: the people, uh, you know, if you if you don't,
6: literally yeah. just keep doing it. Don't you leave keep, where you are. No, don't, no. I'm saying, if you come to California and you want to be a writer, you come to California and you keep writing. And sooner or later, you're going to get in.
0: Right. Don't. It,
6: there's, no, there's no easy path. It's always a catch-22.
0: Yeah, that's what, you know. You I always know? default to like, well, okay, yeah, you just, you're going to have to like writing so much that you'd be willing to do it for 30 years and then get hit by a bus and die (laughs) because I don't want your blood on my hands at the end of it and I got to a point where I would have been fine doing that and then all of a sudden I got lucky all right anyways uh but but uh so so uh we can talk about the early days of South Park later I kind of want to get to the Stanford uh prison experiment thing because I I just started watching that movie I, I I um the the it's, so so I asked you in the green room maybe we'll retread and we'll pretend I'm asking you for the first time. How accurate is this movie? Go. 85%.
6: <laughs> it literally is. It's it's one of those things where um, as I was telling you in the green room um, for years they were trying to make this story and um, Hollywood in their, their wonderful way always like the story wasn't enough for them. They wanted to make it into more and make it into the stakes have to be life and death. It's got to have like huge emotional stakes. You know, an earlier draft HBO was going to do that Leonardo DiCaprio was attached to that was about a guard and a prisoner that were best friends, and there was a girl on the outside and a weird love triangle, and it's like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) You know, and when I first got approached to work on the project, I was completely... um, i didn 't believe it i didn 't take any psych classes in college or anything. I knew nothing about it, and i 'm just like there 's nothing you can do to me that 's going to make me believe after three days that uh, you know a classroom with fake bars on the door is a prison i can 't get out of and um, It was only when I dove into sort of the research with Dr. Zimbardo that I realized, holy shit, this is fascinating, yeah. and this is human. this is like a real thing Zimbardo
0: 's um, the guy that ran the yeah he 's the guy that he yeah. does not come off. Heroically in the movie, not in my at opinion. all. Um, uh, but 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 at the same time, it's like you could say the same thing about uh, DiCaprio is, as Howard Hughes in The Aviator. It, it does not come off heroically, and yet, but he, he does have a lot of urine. He's <laughs> he's a he's the genius who thought of this experiment. And it, my favorite line in the movie. This isn't really a spoiler. I think this gets to the crux of why we all learn, heard, heard the, the phrase Stanford Prison Experiment in high school. Is but it was like from the it, 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 everyone's arguing about what's going on. They're the, the, uh, talking about the relationship between two guys. One's a prisoner, one's a guard. And then the Zimbardo character is sitting back in his uh, hot curled hair and his uh, <laughs> Boogie Nights uh, suit. And he, and he goes like, guys, guys, you're missing the larger point. The point is that the two guys you're talking about were separated by a coin toss, and, right. and that really was that's why we continue to refer to the Stanford Prison Experiment. It's not because it was immaculately scientific; it's not, it is it was, if anything, totally dramatic and right. fantastical. It, it was they, they 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 didn't they didn't set out. I always pictured. I was telling you in the green room every time I heard about the Stanford Prison Experiment. Which, for anyone who's, you know, who the, the the headline of it that you hear about in high school is okay, they did this college experiment where they took a group of uh, volunteers they made some of them randomly guards and they made some of them randomly prisoners and what happened over time very quickly is that they fell into roles of abusiveness that that transcended any rules that they were given. The guards were abusive to the prisoners. The prisoners were abusive to each other. Every Abuse, 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 abuse. It all happened even though it was all a big game. Um, it just happened for real and even as the movie represents, it's... It spread upward to Zimbardo, who started acting like the prison warden, started becoming paranoid about one of the escaped prisoners coming back. But, you know, like he began he he himself became part of the experiment because it wasn't science. It was art. And it was but it was very valid art that you can refer to very scientifically when you say, yeah, but circumstances Fuck you up. If you're deprived of your freedom in any way, you are you begin to behave like someone that is not free and you start verifying all of these negative expectations of yourself. If you are given privilege and power, you start overreacting to threats to it because you think that someone dropping a pencil means that you should go fuck yourself, and that you you start seeing the merits and coming down hard and drawing a line in the sand, and it starts with guys going. Uh, Why am I talking so much? You're on the show.
3: <laughs>
0: what did you? What was your process like when you're getting this job? Like, I want to hear about the like. Like, how much how much reading did you have to do to write this screenplay?
6: Well, I had to do a lot. I got all of, you know, we had, you know, Zimbardo's life rights and he was open to us. So I got to talk to him whenever I needed to. I interviewed him and his wife together and separately. Um, he sent me all the original paperwork from the experiment that they, they documented everything. I mean, everybody, that's one thing, you know, there's so much happened in those six days that um, you can't put it all in a movie. Um, but one of the things they did is they had a standard set of questions that they asked all the prisoners every day. And you could just see them, you know, through when you read this stuff. It's fascinating that they are being dehumanized. And um, even there's a, a bit in the movie where um, they're asked to write a letter home after two days. And half of the kids signed their number and not their name. Whoa. Right. Because it had been drilled into
4: them so much over the, pre- the the previous couple of days. Because they thought they would get rebuked because their mail would be gone through and they would – like they get in trouble for not doing that? Well, or?
0: they knew their mail would be gone through. No, they knew it would be
6: gone through because they were not allowed to seal their envelopes. They had to hand them back so they were going to be read. So they, they knew became it. a number
4: just in case.
6: Yeah, I, I think it was just more that, that the indoctrination of the first couple of days um, really started to work on them. When you're referred to as a number and not a name – over and over again and you're sleep deprived and you have to like rattle off your number a thousand
4: times a day it was just easier yeah, it became sort of their identity the amazing- so, so you, sorry Dan yeah, you, you worked and met Zimbardo oh yeah and, and what's his like how does he look back on this and what's it like having this rehashed through well the, the good thing about him is that he
6: um absolutely 100% owns it. Um, you know, he's like, I realized I fucked up. I fucked up by making myself part of the experiment. Right. And it, it really took, you know, I mean, if you've seen the movie, it took someone from the outside coming in to really um, say, hey, you're, you're, you guys are totally fucking up here. You have to stop this. Because nobody else saw it. They just saw, wow, we're getting a really cool, right. this is a real study. It's We're getting real information and, and, and didn't realize that they were hurting people in the process.
0: But now, wait a minute. I mean, and I, I, I confess, uh, I forgot about a Harmontown meeting that was happening at my house, so I haven't actually watched the end of the movie. Oh, no. I Some spoilers. I haven't, I haven't gotten to the third act yet. the story we hear in high school is the experiment got out of control, but much like Frankenstein's experiment, <laughs> mythically, the the thing that made it a disaster is the valuable thing about it. I mean, he does Zimbardo, does he look at it as like, yeah, that thing I did that was like groundbreaking, or is the whole thing just a cautionary tale and a Karian tragedy? I think
6: it's closer to that. I think that one of the things is that when you first start reading about it and not talking to him directly, um, it's got its own life out there. He's got his own like media life, and, and, and the media and, and reporters and stuff have built him up to be this guy that designed this um, experiment to generate that response. Uh, right, or, yeah, where yeah. The, the, the 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 actual uh, fact was he didn't expect anything from this. This was no different than any other experiment that they've been doing at Stanford um, other than the fact that it was a 24-hour day experiment and it was right. going to go for two
0: weeks. What kind of data do you think he thought he was going to get? There's a clear point in your narrative where it's like, oh shit, this is, and, the, and then the eyes get big, but what kind of data in his mind, like, um, I, I think well, part of the, the the Navy
6: was one of the were one of the people that funded the experiment, and they wanted to know what you know kind of mental effects incarceration would have on people like in submarines.
0: How were they going to measure it though? Like, were they going to have them uh, recite the alphabet at the end of each day? And
4: would they, no? I did, think a
6: lot of it was just that that daily um, the daily questions that they had to answer. Okay, you know, how, and, how
4: much did he go in with? The, did he have like a sociological point to prove going in? Like, he he, he thought he might be able. Like, you ever seen the 7-Up documentaries, the yeah. seven, 7 and Up? Um, you, you watched the beginning of that. You you kind of feel like he was going in trying to prove class things. Then it turns into something very different. Do you think he came in with a sociological point of view on this, or he really just said, let's just get raw, uh, un, unadulterated data?
6: I think he just basically wanted to, um, to see what, you know, uh, basically what he learned from it, I think, is what he was looking for, um, which is how... Um, the environment can change people. Um, you know, he, he constantly says, there are, you know, the, the whole idea about, like, prisons is there are no bad apples. There are just bad barrels. Right. So if you have a, an inherently, you know, because all these kids were inherently good. They were all screened to be, like, all-American um, you know normal kids they're they all white went
0: through... in the movie there's one Asian there's guy there's one was Asian that, guy was, yeah. that, was yeah. is that, is that is that based on reality were you yeah, guys
6: that's based on reality
0: so is it was that was that just a sort of was that this, when was this the 60s this was in
6: 1971
0: so so was that just sort of like oh uh, black kids aren't college kids was that what was at play there
4: for <laughs> I, the lack you know of... I honestly can't tell you except that this took place in August of 71 so I would say in Stanford in 71 that might have been a good representation of the student but body but these weren't
0: there. Stanford students not
6: all of them some of them were some of them more, but, but it was a, just an ad placed in the paper, but it was during right. the summer, so a lot of kids that were still there for the summer um, came in and interviewed. And, and they interviewed quite a few people to find the, the 24 or whatever. But they did it you – sorry,
0: I kind of I kind of railroaded your answer. The, the, did you the, – the faces that we see on screen and the uh, ethnic spectrum that they represent, is that – That's accurate. Okay. So yeah. there there was like one like – There uh, one
6: Asian yeah. uh, student and then one of the um, – well obviously Carlo Prescott the guy that they brought in to advise um was a black man who was in prison for 17 years before this. Right. And then one of the um one of Zimbardo's um grad assistants, the grad students was also a black guy.
0: Yeah. And he initially – yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean the, the more would be spoilers I think cuz the narrative like it's like you as but the You already know the real life story is that the experiment got out of control. But what I've always felt about hearing that, because I've probably referred to the Stanford prison experiment a thousand times in 20 years when talking about politics or anything, talking about particularly fascism, is like, well, you it's a successful experiment, not from a scientific perspective, but from the fact that someone once did this thing. And, well, it out- and it did this thing;
6: it changed the way that experimentation could be done in colleges now. I right. mean, literally, it's like they, they didn't have ethics committees back then, you know. So ethically, this thing was one thing. Like the whole the the Department of Justice or somebody, some government agency reviewed this whole but thing. When you
0: say it that way, you're, you're you're you. That's there's an unspoken supposition there that the information that came out of this experience was completely not valuable at all to future generations. No, it
6: absolutely was. It was just that they found that the methods in which they did this were, were harmful. But
0: if the, yes, I mean, p- yes.
6: It's is like, is it's, there it's, a way to
4: do that properly? Is there a way to do an experiment like that without hurting the the, uh, the subjects? It doesn't seem like Probably it. not. Right. Um, but they didn't know that at the time. <laughs> well, so, I mean, well, so, so.
0: well, it's more of, but the thing is, I mean, in the movie, as it reveals, it's, it's a very organic process. It's like he set up a situation. He thought that the glibness of it the, it, the The thing that I always pictured was like this like like you said, Jeff, you said like an, a set of an elvis uh number where it's like like you pictured Stanford like shelling out for fake prison cells uh, I, where they, I, I pictured
4: jailhouse rock where there was four tiers of dudes dancing and this movie. So if you takes can't place, find a partner, the story find takes a place in chair. a
0: hallway of Stanford College on summer break, where a couple of offices they carved the doors out, put bars in the doors, and but some people were in charge of when the doors were unlocked and when they weren't, and they had burlap sacks that were like dresses. There was a. There was a deliberate attempt to feminize, which in 1971 was the equivalent of Zimbardo actually laying it out, saying, yeah, someone questions, goes, feminize? And he's like, yes, to remove everything that they are, (laughs) he's saying, you know, there's an unspoken thing there. It's like this, going waist deep into this thing and himself becoming infected by it, becoming the warden, losing his mind to the same extent that, Sigmund Freud injecting cocaine into his own arm, like, did yield some shit. Um, I mean, this is important. It's important. No, it's it's
6: definitely important. It just, again, now ethically, they would not, you would not get this past any college ethics board.
0: But it's like, is this a case where ethics, which are the thing that are being looked at, like the, the reason do, do, do we, we get lucky,
4: is if, we,
0: if we become really good at conducting Stanford prison experiments, we're not getting accurate data, right? I, I, like, like we're not. I, I, we don't want to become really, really good at making sure no one gets hurt during the Stanford prison experiment. We want to. We, well, again, the no accurate problem. data is that if you conduct one, you become fucking Hitler overnight. <laughs> if you are if you put yourself in the position of judging uh, what you're measuring and if the people uh, that everyone is intoxicated instantly by fascism by by hierarchical thinking and and like answering to a higher calling uh, everybody dresses it in different ways i'm here for my 15 dollars a day he's looking at it like i'm going to publish a paper on this he's not even sure what he's drinking by the time he's drunk on it he's seeing images of students punching other students and he's thinking I made this happen.
6: This and is a successful alive. This experiment. is a live thing, and so again, the paranoia comes in where, um, when, when like the the family members come to visit, he's terrified one of them is going to pull their kid out. You know, to the point where there's a really great scene um, uh, that Billy Crudup, who plays Zimbardo in the movie, handles. <laughs> A, um, <laughs> sorry, hey, some, some some crud heads here. Yeah, yeah, crud
4: heads. So, no, no, no we, got, we got we got big Look, Zim, big Zimbardo fans. They come here. they
0: come to they come to every podcast. They want more Billy Crudup information. <laughs> Unlike tonight, we always have to disappoint them. No, here shout out Monica. Um,
6: one one thing I will say about Billy Crudup is he has a like the sort of like a monologue at the end of the movie where he pulls the plug. Um, we shot everything else. Before that, so all these kids have been working together for two and a half weeks, and he walked in on his first day and delivered like his last scene in the movie. Nice, and it was like, holy shit, <laughs> this guy's good. Um, um, were you on the set the whole time? Um, I wasn't. I was. I, I was a writer on Chicago Fire for a couple of years, and we were. I was shooting an episode at the same time, so I was going back and forth between here and Chicago.
0: Now, is it true? That the experiment, the Chicago fire uh, 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 writing room. Didn't you guys set a lot of fires in Chicago? No comment. <laughs> Absolute power corrupts absolutely. I want to. Lo- I want to look at uh, uh, because you've you you've got a bigger career than that. Like we can talk about what, what it was like. So you were at South Park from the beginning. You were saying you're no, like
6: I was there for season five and six.
0: Oh, all right. Well. <laughs> Those were the worst seasons ever. Uh, no, but it sounded like just because of the way you're describing, like, being friends with George Clooney and all that stuff, that you were there on the very ground floor. But, but like, what was it like in those days? Well, like, like, were you full-time? Yeah,
6: well, I was a staff writer, so the way that they work, um, by the time I got in there, they, their process had gotten to a point where basically Trey Parker was writing and directing every episode. Um, and so they would bring you like on a writer's retreat at the beginning of the season, you know, like we went up to Whistler and we'd ski half the day and then sit in a room and you know, your, your only real job was to be, um, um, attentive to the media and like what's going on in society. So we'd sit in a room and we'd spitball stuff. And then all of a sudden we'd have like five or six ideas for shows and we come back to LA and, um, in order to get the show done on time, they had to generate eight pages of script a day. And so Trey would go off and start these scripts. And then whenever he got stuck, he'd call the writers in. And we'd just sit around. You know, you come in, they buy you lunch. You sit around a big table with some of the funniest people you've ever met. And you laugh until your face wants to fall off. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you throw something out that ends up in the show. And then, you know, two days later, it's on television.
0: Right.
4: <laughs> you know, which who, is who, amazing who, who, for animation. Who else that we would know? I've had friends and Dan's had friends that have worked on that show throughout the years. Who was there back in those days that we might know?
6: Well, Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Um, Never heard of them. Um, <laughs> Kyle McCullough, uh, David Goodman, um, Glasgow Phillips. Hack, hack, hack. No, I'm um, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: trying
6: to think who else. Uh, Nancy Pimental was there for a, for
0: a little bit. Um, she was there for, I worked with her for She's two She's big weeks. with CRUDIP fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, the yeah, the, well, that corroborates greatly with every. We do have a couple friends here and there. The show's been on so long; almost everybody in L.A. knows somebody that worked on South Park at some point. They, that is the legend. Is that uh, like you? You there's almost a feeling of guilt at how much. Trey Parker is like like he, he calls you in a room and then you guys talk and then you laugh and laugh and then he at some point he leaves the room and then he writes, uh, more yeah, and those and...
6: guys are there you know 20 hours a day. Uh-huh. And we come in for two hours and laugh it up and leave. which you know it's a dream job. And um, I have to say though, when you first walk into that, I'm not necessarily first and foremost a comedy writer, you know so I, they just thought I was funny. Um, so that first day, I'm sitting in there, and half the, the staff are actors as well. So they were, they get up and they act out their character stuff, and I'm like, I'm not that at all. And I sat there for probably the first hour of the first meeting just going like, what am I doing here? Mm. How did this happen? And I realized that if you don't open your mouth and say something, they're just going to fire your ass. Uh-huh. So I threw something out, and it got a huge laugh, and then I was like, oh, that's what this job is.
5: Now,
0: to what extent, because this is the first time I've heard, because I've heard about those retreats, um, and I always imagined them with a sense of dread because they sounded like auditions. Like you went on the retreat and then some people that, that was vodka, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> some people that go on these worry retreats, everybody gets to have the time of their life. Some people going on the retreat get the job, some people don't. That
6: was earlier on.
0: You're making it sound it, more earlier like Earlier it was your... more of
6: an audition thing. Um, by the time I was there, that was just, I, I came in in the middle of a season So I worked on three episodes, then went on a retreat, worked on six episodes, then went on another retreat, and worked on another six episodes.
0: They actually generate a voluminous amount of their season on the retreat. Whenever yeah, I mean a good that's mood. the
6: basic the the basic structure, and it happens usually about three weeks before the season starts, so it's relatively topical.
4: Did they structure it where you got to uh, as a staff writer get your name on a script? Where they you got to... nope. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was later down the road. Or... But your
6: my name's on every episode I worked on as a staff writer at the end, so that's more than almost every other television show. Staff writers don't even get. Is credit. there a
4: script, you don't have to say yes or no, you don't, you don't have to say which script, is there a script that you feel very res- responsible for that you get a lot, of, a, a lot of stuff done on?
6: Yeah, there was one, um, I, I'm trying to think of the name of the script. It was basically about, um, it grew out of a conversation between myself and Matt Stone about um, the Star Wars special editions. That we just fucking hated them so much, and ET
0: was coming that out. The, that's a walkie-talkie one. The, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah.
6: So right around that same time, we just th- we came up with the, the idea <laughs> that the boys had to break into uh, Lucasfilm or Skywalker Sound right. and get the print of Raiders of the Lost Ark Uh-oh. back. Yeah, it's, I think. Oh, it's called Free Hat. Yeah. <laughs> That was one, and then the only other one that I can claim any responsibility for is the one where um, Kenny dies for real. I just thought, what would happen if we just killed him? And, like, the, there was a TV movie version of Brian's song that was on
1: somewhere
0: around there. So we just took that and made it into this whole, like, oh, my God, our friend is going to die. Uh, but you probably were gone by the time like, like, what chef uh, uh, had to be uh, yeah, I was gone. Uh, I mean that, that show if there there should be an absolutely separate Emmy category but only one show would win it for the, the ratio the complicated ratio between passion, uh, uh, relevance, um, uh, manpower because there's like always been very few people working on that show relative to ha- and, and the speed with which they're working. And how incredibly funny and uh, like, like, like just like, what, what do you, what do you, what words do you say that us like balls out, like, like fucking brave, bold, like opinionated, like, like, like fuck this thing. Like, like how many of us in this room have like been swirling around with some thought in our head about some piece of pop culture or politics or something. And then we get this like decidedly kind of admittedly maybe libertarian view from, from, from South Park, but it kind of like pushes us over into how to feel about something because it's done with this like grace and humor and, and wit.
6: The great thing about those guys and what was really intoxicating working with them is they um they have no tolerance for bullshit or hypocrisy. So if they see something they have a point of view on it and they just come out and say it.
0: They would just they, they, should, they should just have been don't give so it right for for corruption so long ago. I mean they Yeah, and they just you know,
6: I mean they just haven't. Yeah. I mean, you know, they you know, they're in a really um wonderful place where they can do whatever they want, and they've been able to because they were successful with the show right from the beginning. That, I feel um, spoiled
0: because I only ever I, I like like South Park's gonna at some point not exist. It'll probably outlive me, but but uh, the way I <laughs> the way I eat, uh, but uh the the it, it it there will be a day maybe when it's like gone and done, and then there's gonna be eulogies for it, like there was for fucking whatever the hell that gossip rag was all of a sudden we found out that it was important that whatever what the fuck was Gizmo? gawker was, oh, oh yeah, gawker, gawker was so important well i imagine south park's gonna turn out to be pretty fucking important the day it goes off uh, off air um like i feel spoiled in the meantime because i've only ever just like randomly run back into it like an old lover and, and just always <laughs> astounded at how still fucking funny it is like you just watch a just like oh i'm how is it still this funny? It's forty-eight well, years old. The cool thing is
6: that the,
3: they
6: they kind of mixed things up the last two seasons where they made them
0: serialized.
6: Mm-hmm. So as they had I a storyline. I think story that's
0: line, the last episode I saw that ended, the crescendoed in the divorce, the moving away, the yeah. Uh, and I haven't watched it since because I've just spoiled South Park wise. I'm like, well, oh, someday I'll just be yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I've always been astounded by it. And I've, I've, like Cartman is. Probably one of the most important television characters in. He's in right up there with comedies. Archie Bunker. for Absolutely,
3: me. <laughs>
0: I always reference him at the, in the same breath as Archie Bunker when you talk about like the importance of this ID character. Yeah, I don't for know me, the explain. seasons or the
4: episodes that don't like do it for me as much as other seasons or episodes when they got Cartman wrong. When when they when they got Cartman right, it made it pretty special. Because they made it really, really bad. Like, really, really, I mean, really, really horrible.
6: Right before I got there, they did the one where Cartman basically killed someone's parents and fed them to him in chili. Yeah. But that's a like, lot of people's Scott favorite something episode. Scott must think, die. Yeah. What's it called? Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> but Scott I think, like, I mean, what's
6: his last name?
4: Uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott <Tenderman> must die.
6: <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah. just that that drinking is... his tears at the end. Like, oh, the sweet, sweet misery of your tears. Yeah, that's I mean, if that's I didn't, a fucking yeah. doozy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If I didn't, that was all Chevy Chase's character on Community. Like that was all I was ever doing was just ripping off Cartman. It was just the (laughs) idea was like, well, there's a character who's just like, he's the voice of that petty child within you. But that includes talking to God. Like God is somebody that's going to ground you uh make you take a time out you don't want it, it's a we we have a word for someone that responds to god saying that with fuck you that word is sometimes hero uh like 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 mythic on a mythic level to say fuck you to mortality <laughs> to say fuck you to the the way you got out of bed in the morning uh, you know it's often the face of privilege and oppression and bigotry but it's then every once in a while, it's like, yeah, don't go gentle into that good night. like, like, it, like, like we, we root for Cartman because he's safely in the package of a reprehensible troll. But we get to like sap some of that toxin just enough to dab on our tongue and <laughs> like, like, like get high a little bit because it's like in a safe container. And we've been learning that. I don't know if you heard me babbling. I was talking the Daryl Davis documentary. Have you seen that? I saw um, like a news piece on him because, because I haven't he, seen the whole doc. He's he's basically dedicated his life to this sort of like tract of belief that it's like you don't want these people in the shadows. You want them as much as it pains us. You you don't. It's like what good comes from them uh, hiding? It's they're 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 as bad as they are, and they're twice as bad because whatever butt hurt fucking whatever birthday party they didn't get invited to, whatever they're fucking cranking about like sorry but like you, you it's better to talk to him at Denny's and, and 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 it's like he has this like collection of KKK robes that are the culminate the slow erosion through friendship one-on-one of him sitting down with a dude who says he wants all this and that to be this and that way and being friendly to them and at the and, and through that because a friendship with him is completely incalculable to that philosophy. They have, or maybe they just outgrow it. That would be an argument against what he's doing. But he's like they—they they eventually like leave. They give him his robes. They don't outgrow it, and it their really chapters is. fall away.
6: I am um, just this past um, year was developing a TV show that was about a guy that has to infiltrate a white supremacist organization and doing a lot of research into that. You come to realize that a lot of those people like they don't hate you because. You're a different color. They hate you because they don't know you. Right. You know, and that, and that it, when people indoctrinate people into these hate groups, they basically are saying, like, look, it's not your fault that you're poor and broke and stupid. It's their fault. Right. So by shifting the blame, I mean, half the people that are are, are white supremacists just don't know any better. They've either been um, raised in that culture. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they literally don't. I mean, <laughs> No, it, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, it's it's,
0: it's Look, literally the energy that's being generated right now in this room, which I'd prefer to pass on. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, but but it's like the, the, that that heat that hot front meeting that cold front, that hurricane. Watch this documentary because it's it, it, that that what you're feeling. One person is like very like they're like yes, like like they're not they're not saying yeah, racists are misunderstood. <laughs> you need to talk to them more. But then yeah, someone else the is point. like, what the fuck are we doing? No, we don't need to understand them. There's a guy from the Southern Poverty Law Center in the documentary who's like, he, he's he's a white dude talking to an, a, a black dude who's his age and they're, neither of them are heroes or villains, but he's like, look, you're, one thing he says is you're dealing on a retail level. I'm dealing on a wholesale level. I don't fucking care whether you made a friend with a racist yesterday. You know, good for him. Great. I want this shit illegal. You know, and it's like, there are no villains in this story but one thing that endures because he go he goes to baltimore and he's talking to millennial black activists who are fucking like they're on point they're they're you do not want to be like talking down to them they're like they're they've been arrested a thousand times maced a thousand times they're in the trenches if we're going to if we're going to grant uh uh, veterans who, of Iraq and things. If we're going to say that when those people speak, that we owe it to them to not, you know, shit on them and dismiss them, uh, then we definitely have to extend that to activists who work in urban environments where you're on the front lines. Like, and and these guys are smart and they're absolutely bewildered by this old baby boomer guy who's going like, I got these, I got this Klan robe from the KKK and I got this Confederate flag and I got, and they're like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> how long have you been doing this? And he's like, like oh, 50, I don't know how many, 50 years, I have no idea how long it's been. And, you got, and you got 25 racist dudes from Memphis to, to give you their robes when they got tired of being racist? Like, this seems like a fetish. <laughs> And they, they, they try, they, they both, they try on both sides. I think that, I think that, and then what you see is that Daryl Davis is like, is what, is it, you know, the word fetish is not, it's like, wow. Yeah. Cause he's like, he's like, he's in his comfort zone when he's laying back and he's expressing this unbelievable amount of acquiescence, but then they're calling him out and going like, that's your comfort zone. That's you accruing this collection of shit in your garage we're out here nameless faceless taking you know uh it's uh, stun batons and stuff then an uh, older dude baby boomer i don't know if that's accurate older black dude who's like those guys protector mentor those guys both get up they can't take the interview anymore they're like they they don't yell they don't shout but it breaks down they get up and they leave that guy comes over he's got a gray beard he he's the same generation as this guy he's urban And he is, like, there—he's been, like, proud of those guys, and, like, he try. hes like, I can't shake your hand, Uh, uh, like—but then he—that's the guy that, like, almost spirals—he's, like, shouting, Is like, get the fuck out of here and don't come back by the end of their conversation, and doesn't want to hear— Daryl's side of it because it's too offensive the thing that I walked away from it from was like this weird thing why am I dumping this on you? I don't know but, <laughs> but, but, but the, the, the thing that the, the, the thing that was the most pronounced about it was the fact that like those young guys who were so smart and so cool and they had, they had given so much one of the things he got them to say, and I don't mean got them to say the way you get Donald Trump to say that microwaves aren't cameras. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he took the conversation down a river that afforded us this glimpse around this curve of trees. Um, one of the things he got them to say was that they didn't believe that white supremacists could change. Now, that's a very, very interesting thing to admit to yourself, because it puts you firmly on on the side of a line in a world that we're either going to fix, save, abandon, tear up, fighting each other. It puts you on the side as as just as you are and as righteous as you are and as right as you may be, but it puts you firmly on the side of of a war between people who think that we can do better and people who are like, fuck it, we're fighting. He got, they said that, you know, they they said, no, I don't think they can change. I think, I don't, I don't know if they really, he, he didn't give them a slide rule and 20 minutes to answer his question. I think maybe they would have said over 20 minutes, like, well, people don't change through the actions that you're taking people change from you know blah 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 and you fish rots from the head or whatever but but in that moment they're like no they don't you can't change them they don't change them and so now it's like and he says of course he's aggravating them by saying this is like well you sound like Donald Trump but he, Donald Trump hadn't been elected yet at the time of this interview and then one of the guys goes like I hope Donald Trump gets elected because it's like the wolf versus the fox I know like I know what Donald Trump stands for I'm not voting anyway and all this shit and you're like fuck this like where have we all been at the end of the documentary Donald Trump's elected you have no idea where to fucking your head is spinning you're like who wins who loses what is happening you just feel like you're being flushed down a toilet like spiritually because you're just like oh we're all good people when we look in the mirror but we're all fucking like insane and we're gonna rip our faces off in the mirror and we're just gonna wake up and an octopus creature is gonna go you failed
5: <laughs>
0: end the human simulation octopus 179 you when given the opportunity to be five different colors of chimp
4: that you, seems, you that's, fuck up that, that seems like an unfair test to put on anybody
0: Oh. Well, to deprive them of anything other than what's actually being tested, mm. like their inherent fucking intense, like <sighs> yeah, I mean, yes, I agree, it's unfair. But we come from a mythology as primates, we're like, oh, you're supposed to know the score. God's supposed to come down, and tell you, don't eat the apple, and then I'll pay your rent. <laughs> <laughs> and if anything goes wrong, you just blame women, you know. You know so, <laughs> Like, 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 we're supposed to, we're supposed to get a spreadsheet at the beginning of the test. Well, maybe everybody else feels gaslit in the sense that they didn't know what the test was. It was, oh, what's the, what's the chapter in Genesis when God comes back down after Eve gets made and says, "I told him, don't eat the apple." I can't remember. I don't know. But it's not a newspaper anyway. It's a metaphor for
4: Tim. Just answer Dan's question. <laughs> Brown. You are the worst interviewee of all time. You just sit there and don't answer shit. You think working on South Park
0: for their first three episodes earns you the right to sit there and say nothing?
5: <laughs> well, I put my ass on the line about the shit I've gone through at Stanford.
0: I wrote Meister T- House. Do you have any idea how much research I had to do to write Monster House? Do you have any
6: idea what Monster House is? <laughs> yeah, actually, my roommate from college was one of the animators on that.
0: Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, shit. So you employed him?
3: Yeah. I, I,
0: I created a job, but, you know, I, th- I, th- I thought that that, uh, that was going to be a live-action script when we wrote it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, it, which is why it's actually I've made quite a bit of money on that movie. Because it was written under live action rules, so you get residuals. Yeah. Oh, so, so every time they go to Blu-ray in Singapore or something, I get a check that's like based on, oh, this was a WGA, blah blah blah. Ha ha,
6: ha. Fascinating. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but Tim,
4: didn't, <laughs> did, didn't you win some prestigious like film writing award, like some sort of like, like I, I, I'm not saying. I was about to, to ask up. about that. The Walter Salt Award. Waldo Salt. <laughs>
0: named after a famed writer who Walter discovered salt. salt.
3: Yeah.
4: He wrote salt, right? And the, he, invented, right. <laughs> he invented wearing striped red and white shirts, crowds, and hiding in large crowds. No, what is
6: that award? Um, it was the uh, screenwriting award at Sundance. So oh. we actually, uh, you know, I mean, I wrote this movie back in 2004. It took forever to get made because um, the company we had written it for went out of business, and we found out they borrowed over a million dollars against our script. So our producer, um, a wonderful guy named Brent Emery, literally spent seven years chasing down 81 different chain of title issues and settling up with everyone so that they would get some of their money back if we made the movie. And then it was like all of a sudden I got a call in June like, I think we're making this movie. And then in August we were shooting it. Um, In November we got into Sundance and it premiered in January.
0: Now, what is the, but it's not, it's, it's not a Sundance award for best bluebity blue and a bluebity blue. It's some guy's name. Which Waldo Salt
6: it's... is, yeah, I mean, it's an, I guess it's like an honorarium or whatever. I mean, it was set up by his family, I think, to honor independent screenwriting or whatever, but it's the one screenwriting award they do every year at Sundance. So
0: that was pretty unexpected. Yeah, but you know, Dan wrote Monster House. <laughs> Where's my Waldo Salt? Did you take it to Sundance? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I would have. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a story. It's a, ch- a children's horror film. It's about a,
4: a house that, uh... <laughs> hey, Spencer, you, you've you been awful quiet over there. No. <laughs> uh, um, let's, let, let's bring it back to the Stanford premise. prison for a moment. Now, now, if, you, if, if you had your pick and you couldn't, like, if the coin were tossed, what do you think you would have been better or worse at, being the guard or being a prisoner? <laughs> I'm sure I would be a kick-ass guard. Um, I mean, that's just my nature. I,
6: you know, I I can be petty and mean and.
4: No, no wait, that means you'd be a worse guard. Like you, you, you would be oh, 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 okay. a worse person well, as a guard. Here's yes. Here's the thing: is
6: like our whole like, our whole like goal with the entire movie was just to have people walk out at the end and ask that question of themselves: like, it, do I have it within myself to turn into such an evil? fucking person if given the opportunity and right. having no repercussions right um, and to that event or to that extent I think the film works um, it, it's funny that, that I, you know I've never seen I'd never seen a movie or anything I'd written in front of a huge audience before and at Sundance we had like 1200 people at the first screening and um, there's a title card that comes up that just says day two and literally right. the, the everything that happened in the first day was so like everyone yeah. in the audience was like holy shit that like the air got sucked out of the room and it was like one of the most like the hair stood up on the back of my neck and I was like oh my god, like this a movie just got a reaction and right. I had something to do with that.
0: Yeah, that happened to me and Cody, my girlfriend, when we were watching it uh, today at day four. Because wait, what day four? And I checked the progress indicator and uh, but but that and that's like part of the point. I I think that so so is there. Uh, the answer to that question is yes, correct. The the people who are uh, – if you're made a guard by an institution, guard in quotes meaning a district manager, uh, if you're told that you're in charge of whether or not racism ends because you're the race that ends racism, uh, if you're told that you're the, the the employee of the month, if you're told – if you're in charge of this parking spot, you're in charge of anything, any power that you're given by an institution – it seeps into the cracks of your soul, and you, you have two choices. You take on that role and actually surrender part of your empathy and individuality in favor of serving that role better. That's the important thing is that the guys that early on who started as a joke because putting on the uniforms reminded them of Cool Hand Luke. One guy goes, I'm going to do my impression of a character from Cool Hand Luke. And then he comes out. He knows what to say to the president. I want you to 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 communicate. And then the the scientists are going, that guy's good. (laughs) More importantly, nothing happens. He's now in charge. Everyone that's watching is going like, well, and then the shift changes. And they go, yeah, we did some fucked up shit today. And nothing happened. Don't you think that's part of what it is?
4: Well, Dan, like, like you, you are famous for n- don't you, you hate being told what to do? Let's say that you were how, how old were these uh, subjects back then? Early twenties? Uh, they
6: were between eighteen and twenty-two.
4: And let's say that you, Dan, found out you were the guard. You don't like being told what to do. You probably you also you, you don't like. Well, you know, you do like telling people what to do because you're a showrunner. That's part of your job description. Like, like, what do you think you would be as a guard? As
0: a guard, I would be like I would posture. As a but I would be eclipsed by some guy who went fascistic. I would be eclipsed by the guy who like jumped into the role. This, well,
4: like, uh, like a while back, I asked, I asked Spencer first. Like, like I'm, I'm curious, you know, Spencer, you're so neutral. Like I can't picture you being uh, turning into a shitty dominated uh, prisoner or a fascistic bully guard. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some now people you, that now. That did but that. that response makes me think I I, I, w- I don't want you as my guard. But there's an
0: important thing here that you're you're getting to, which is that there are uh, there.
4: there why, what? No, just all they said was yeah. There's it was, a, it was a, a complex subject.
0: There's a way to be a prisoner as well, and have you have these narcissistic tendencies or things. There's pri- like as a prisoner, I would. I, they they ask them, do you, would you rather be a prisoner or a guard? They don't necessarily and give everyone them the wanted
6: they want. to be a a prisoner because be, they thought it'd
0: be less work. Because if you're a prisoner, you can just just sleep. You can, can be you Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, at the, can... mar- the most work is that you're defying... You get three hots in the cot. You're always righteous. The, ju- the truth is always on your side. That's
4: prison talking. You
0: can't about. be a bad... <laughs> There's no such thing as a villainous prisoner. You don't have any power. Uh, Where We live in fear of being bad people, too. The, 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 nobody wanted to be a guard, but then the people that excel at being guards are exhibiting the same personalities as the people who are rallying the prisoners. And that's when Zimbardo says, these guys are... Swappable with a coin toss, that means in every revolution in every third world country, when you have like guerrillas coming down from uh, from fr- from the hills and liberating the poor, and then one of them becomes a dictator, and then you have the NSA interfering, and it's like all these. It just people are handing you power, handing you rules. It's also
6: there's also a certain level of compliance in certain people, um, you know, because part of what this showed, as well as you know what happened at Abu Ghraib, is also what happened in Nazi Germany, is that if uh, you're in a situation where you feel you have zero power and there's nothing you can do to change it, like the, the the people that are against you are so. Massively in power, you know, some people just, it's normalization. Right. It's that yeah, shit that's pe- people, happening now.
4: People like in the, in, in, on the Eastern Front will, willfully were corralled into a giant sand pit and they knew they were going to be killed and they did it meekly and mildly. And like, because, that, because that's
6: what society told them is their role.
4: Now, and did it, you, did, did uh, did any of the subjects go to the film, talk, like, see the film? Are they still... I don't
6: know. Um, I know, you know, I was very happy that um, Zimbardo and his wife uh, saw the movie right before we went to Sundance. And he came to Sundance and spoke and did all that stuff. Um, but I was very happy because it's really weird telling somebody's story and trying to get it right and, and making sure not to also let him off the hook. You know, we for dramatic effect, um, you know, in, in reality, we haven't gotten to the third act yet, so I can't tell you. <laughs> Um, in reality, it ended a little bit differently than it does in the movie.
4: Because and that it, woman, the, the, uh, the triangle love woman, comes back. <laughs> no,
0: no. <laughs> Leo DiCaprio comes yeah. through a skylight. That's how you got your funding. Yeah. <laughs> Traffic was a bitch! <laughs> um, Fucking California, man. But, but, but let's, let's mash a really hot button right now, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the elephant in the room, which is really interesting, is that prisons, they were it was all dudes... Dudes running it, So the the whole movie is all dudes, dudes dealing with dude issues, to the point where they're talking about stripping dudes of their duteness, their individuality, and they're using it synonymously with the phrase feminization. Put them in dresses. Wait till
6: you get to the third act.
0: Call them call them she. Call them her. Call them, you know, and like, like let's reduce them of their individuality, not their masculinity, their individuality by feminizing them. 1971. So like the Now you cut to 2017 casual Friday and somebody says to Becky in marketing, like you should wear a shorter skirt or something. It's like there's no bars on the windows. There's no the thing is this was a hallway at Stanford College. None of these kids during this entire story ever accidentally started believing they were in prison. They what what happened was they were they they were subjected long enough to deprivation of this and enhancement of that. That their behavior changed and it can happen in a hallway it can happen in, in, with cubicles around you
6: well that's one of the great things about the way kyle alvarez directed the movie and um i thought he had a really good idea which was um when you first get introduced to the prison it's all shown in a master shot so you see it's a fucking hallway and three classrooms and a closet used as a whole um during the process of the movie, the lens is closed down and down and down to the point where, when things are really going sh- shitty, you're in close on people and there's a lot of uh, um, diffusion. So it makes it feel it ma- makes you feel claustrophobic. And then when Zimbardo comes in and ends it, you cut back to that master. You realize that <laughs> right. the situ- the the place hasn't changed. The situation has
4: changed. Right, right. Was there anybody? I, I mean, I I read about this a long time ago, and you know, in a psychology class or something, and. You know, it's super fascinating and we all know about that. We say these words, but did anybody emerge from that guard or prisoner and like, fuck this shit. I'm walking out of here. Like, did anybody like flex up and go, this is, this is dumb?
6: No, that was the, that's the one thing nobody ever directly asked to be let out when they could, at any point, they could just say, "You know what, fuck this, let me let me go home. You can't keep me here. I'm, 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 Nobody did it because the the rules from above down kept them feeling like, you know, it's this is one of the things that Zimbardo and Stanley Milgram have done um, in in a lot of different experiments. Um, one of which that comes to mind is uh, Stanley Milgram did an experiment where he put an ad in the paper for like a secretary and um, rented an office in a high rise in New York and hired two people to be plants basically in the office. So when the woman would come in to interview for the office, these two people were told to stay still and don't react. The woman would sit down, and they'd start pumping smoke into the room. And because the other two people wouldn't react to it, the third person, nine out of ten times, wouldn't react to it. The mm-hmm. fact that the fucking building's on fire.
0: I, I mean, that's how how powerful society can be. On that's people. me. I mean, I think. I, I'd be that third person. I, I truly feel, like, so defined by what everyone is reacting to. I feel like I wait way too long. I told a story about going out to lunch with uh, my friend Dino and our new uh, CFO at my studio, and he started choking on a piece of hanger steak, and I was very disappointed with my uh, <laughs> reaction time. It's a, it's, a, it's a man choking to death. I was like waiting for what Bruce Willis to like come in. I don't know, man. But I, I yeah, I've, 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 I'm afraid to find out what I'm made of. That's why I bought a gun when Trump got elected. I don't want to know what I'm made of because the answer is nothing. I'm made of nothing.
4: What are you? What am I? John Claude Van Damme? I'm not made of anything. I didn't earn anything. I I I've, I've spoken about it on the show before, I'm sure. I, I got pulled over on a on a warrant. I, I hit and run a sign and I got picked up on a Saturday morning and spent all weekend in jail at, a, at a, in Whittier and uh Whittier, Whittier California. <laughs> yeah, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> uh, but I got uh you know, handcuffed, put in the car, put in jail, and I was in the jail like probably like six or seven or eight cells. Uh, they left me in my. They, they put me in the the tank, like the the, the drunk tank, because like everyone else was three to a cell. Uh, so they, they they were like two guys on a cot and one guy on the floor, and I would have to deal with the drunks that were let in every night or the, both nights. And what was amazing was I was a college kid. I was the only white guy in there, and I was treated as shitty as they were. And it was you were instantly not a person, and I changed the way I talked. The way I made eye contact with the with the uh, with the officers there, you're instantly told that you're a piece of shit, and when you leave there, you still think so. You don't leave there and go, "Oh, I'm gonna walk home now. I got out of here finally after being treated like garbage." And again, this, uh, this this wasn't Peru, and it wasn't you know this, this wasn't Syria. It was it was California, but like Whittier, yeah, <laughs> Whittier is only nominally California. Uh, it's a uh, I, I'm not saying that like my, my story is the worst story of all time. I, I, I was surprised how instantly I felt like completely uh, not in any sort of power and and instantly not an equal with anybody there. You're you're a scumbag and you're dirt, and I felt like that for days afterwards. And well,
6: imagine that for thirty years.
4: I, yeah, I can't. Well, I, I, I'm fascinated by and watch shows about people being locked up. It's like it's like it, the time passes. It doesn't pass. And you, when you leave there, you're not better. You're you're psychologically like a little dizzy and fucked up, and 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 probably a lot worse if you, you know, had to go through actual shit. I was just in a in a fucking drunk tank for 52 hours. It was a nightmare. Uh, so like uh, like what I was thinking about the Stanford experiment is like. They love fucking with you the moment you're in there. They love it. Well,
6: part of it is also boredom. They're doing eight hour shifts where they have nothing to do except, well, we and can either get, sit in this room or we can bring these guys out and make them do jumping jacks and, and push them around and fuck and them. And they get spit on
4: and yelled at and harassed and all this stuff. And they just love having, the, the, like, it's a shit job. It's noisy. It smells like crap. It's uh, The food is garbage. They're not happy. They don't like their lives. They wanted to be in the secret service with the FBI, and they did. Uh, and, and, and it's a fucking bummer, and they do take a little bit of just human glee in knowing that they fucked you around more than they got fucked around that day. And I was a sophomore at USC at the time. I was, you know, like everything going. Like, the rest of the guys in there, the only people that were nice to me were the cholo gangbangers in there who fucking looked after me and fucking, like, and they nicknamed me Hollywood. <laughs> And when I got, you'll go far in prison with a nickname like. oh well, well <laughs> I, w- I, I was warned of what would happen if I had to go to county to get processed out. Luckily, I, I just got to get kicked out of the uh, of Whittier Jail, uh, but when we, I got handcuffed, like ankles and uh, and wrists, to the courthouse to walk down the street, and we get in there, and it's a bunch of dudes that come in from county, and it, some guys are going away for attempted murder, some guys are going away for like assault, terrorist, terrorist uh, threats, which means like I just threatened to kill somebody in front of a police officer. Some are going to go away for 20 years. Some guys, six months. And everybody was going up. Like, all the veterano, like, Cholo guys walking up to everybody like, hey, man, you're going to get love. Don't worry. Like, you, like you, get six, you got six years, you'll be out in two and a half homes. And also, you're going to be with my homie in Chino. Like, I know this fucking guy. He's my cousin. And they, they were all going around and telling everybody, it's going to be okay. Like, you're going to be looked after there. Like, I, I'll m- make sure you talk to my friend so-and-so. And I had to get w- walked up to the courthouse. Uh, to, to, I saw one judge with the oldest dude in there. This, like with the teardrops and the whole thing, it's old school veterano. And he walked up and he goes, "Listen, man, like you're a good kid. Like what are you doing in here? I'm, i I fucking didn't pay a fine and like I knocked over a sign and didn't have the money to pay for the thing and I had a bench warrant, and I didn't pay the fine. He goes, "Yeah, this judge fucking hates you, man. Like he's an asshole. Like he hates me, he hates everybody. But we're gonna go see this guy. And we're handcuffed, walking to the elevator t- together. Took up and he goes, you 'You don't say shit unless he talks to you. And if he talks to you, don't say anything but the answer to his fucking question.'" And, and if he asks you anything else, say it. it's, you're missing your fucking second day of your second year at school, and you're a good kid, and you shouldn't, and you don't belong here. And when I, when he stood up to get his thing, I had to stand up, and when I had to, like, and the, v- vice versa, and I got back down, it all went cool. We got back down, and they kicked me out. They, they called me. They go, Jeff Davis, and all, I'm I'm not joking. You, I know everyone thinks I'm making up these fucking stories. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I don't care if you do because this happened and, I, almost, and I, I will cry thinking about it. There were like 15, 20, 22 guys in there. The, the, the toughest guy in there was sleeping as a pillow. He had the only roll of toilet paper and that was his pillow so no one had toilet paper. Uh, everyone else being really nice to each other. They're all in the county blues and orange. And when they called my name, Jeff Davis, the fucking guys knew me, They went, Hollywood! Wait, what does that mean? Am I going to county? And they're like, no, that, no, that means you got love homes. That means you got love. And when I got, when they let me out, when they fucking let me out the door, the fucking dudes came up and hugged me, and the cops outside looked at me they, like they wanted to fucking beat my ass in the parking lot. <laughs> so it's a story about uh, me being the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> Fucking make myself a drink. I, I can't believe I have a story I haven't told in the show already. <laughs> you, you told that story before. Five we, we we
0: have 500 episodes. Five it's, times, fine. Right? it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I, don't uh, I told it better now. I know the, the uh, but the, the the interesting thing about that the, when when I listen to that though having watched. Tim's screenplay movie, I was going to say Tim's Part movie, but then I didn't want the uh, director to be like, send me a rabbit's head or something, whatever the directors do, and you'd call it the writer's movie. Um, they, 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 there's a point in there where there's a there's tension paid to breaking up the solidarity within the ranks. And when we talk about like, oh, the guards are pieces of shit and the prisoners have all this solidarity, it's it's not even – it's like – my, my new eye on that is like, yeah, but you can also put divisive energy into a population if if you had been in a situation, if you had been in a uh, incarcerative uh, <laughs> environment in which the administrative uh, powers that be felt threatened, um there might have been a a system in place in which you were more pitted against your fellow, inmates uh, because they had already perceived a threat and put energy into it, which they can easily do in the most subtle of ways, drive a wedge between everybody, uh, give them less toilet paper for pillows, give them or give them one roll and give this guy spaghetti and give that guy not spaghetti. And it's something that they do very readily in order to quell the potential. So I know I'm going to sound like a fucking weird, uh, Apologist for the man or whatever, but I'm actually like, like, now I'm looking at that and going like, instead of hearing that as like, ah, yeah, those fucking guards, I'm like thinking, you know, those guards. Probably living in an environment that's like as close as you can get to having an incarcerated group and then they're in charge of guarding it, which is why they're so bitter. When those guys start getting happy and abu-grabing, it's because there's been a tension actually deliberately put down into like making sure that, for instance, an environment gets created where somebody wants to beat you up like like, like because you're just in the same
4: cell as them or they're – you know what I mean? Well, I mean, in my little minute situation, it was a police station and the people that were there were probably going to county and then a lot of them were going to be in county for a while, then probably go to federal prison or and then you have to come back to a county then back to a jail. Like, they were going to be in there for a long time. They, they told me, like, this is as good as it's going to get and they warned me about what happens at the other stages. Like, here's when you don't take a shit and here's where you put things that you care about not losing and and here's like and they all told me like you know the thing that you like you're gonna have to color up with the white white power dudes and all that shit and i was just like i just I, I i just my stomach was just liquid the entire time because the good thing was that um, i was vegetarian i just become vegetarian yep. and it was bologna and cheese sandwiches they give i gave them all my bologna they gave me all the cheese I <laughs> The reason, I, 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 the reason I had I'm, a kick at they, they, no, That cheese was bullshit, but it was the best cheese sandwich you ever had. Here. <laughs> the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm
0: trying to carry over I'm constantly, like, they all this talk about the Stanford Prison Experiment, what that experiment was, what it meant, the fact that it didn't have to be scientifically accurate, the fact that it's less a cautionary tale about science and how to get data and all this stuff, the fact that what it really means is that you can be in the Stanford Prison Experiment, and there can be... No bars around you. You can be in a three-piece suit. You can have a big mustache. You can be the star of your own biopic, and you can be in the Stanford Prison Experiment. You, Whenever you are told, which is every minute of every day by Reddit, by commenters, by everything, you're told by your the ghost of your mother that you have a role, and you're in an argument. You're a libtard. You're a wingnut. You're a right wingy, left wingy. I'm policing. I'm an apologist. I'm a thing, and I'm I'm engaging with another human being. And as I found out, like, 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 you know, buying my fucking gun, like a maniac, like the and looking through Sandy Hook conspiracy theorists. It's like I've had a plan this whole podcast to bring this message. home that Like, walk out of here knowing that you're already in a prison. I mean, you can't just walk out of life. You can't walk out of America, especially not now. Um, You might not be let back in like. We're all, we're in an environment and the environment is being run. And I'm not saying that means let's go throw a garbage can through a window. <laughs> that won't do any good. It means that if you know, if you remind yourself that you're in an environment, that you're encased in something, you'll, you might, you might maintain your empathy. Those guys that knew the system that were saying, Hollywood, here's the thing, the judge does this and does that, like, they were... They were wearing a mask. They were saying, like, we're in this system. The system is a system like the the real life exists outside of it. Now, while you're in here, don't fuck with that guy's toilet paper. Try the soup instead of the salad. You're going to be fine. There's solidarity. There's empathy possible because everything's been removed from them, except that there's been not an undue amount of like divisive energy placed on it hopefully we could withstand that too if you're looking at another human being digitally or whatever and you have that temptation to go animal because you're filled as I have been with that fucking outrage where you're like I know what I'm about and I know what I'm up against and I'm going to tell this piece of fucking 15 year old Canadian shit how politics works on Twitter like uh, or, he might have been I 14. thought I could pick he might one 14. group that wouldn't uh, you have a 15 year old Canadian daughter okay fine I was like I don't, I don't like like, like uh, it, it, it uh, v- v- Venezuelan whatever won't offend you shut the fuck up <laughs> see
5: it happen to me again
0: it's as easy as somebody telling me I don't know what I'm doing fuck off fuck off fuck you I think I is- own a gun lady if-
4: it's at a gun store it's at a gun store but I own it oh <sighs> See, Dan, you you feel like a prisoner, but you're acting like a guard, and that's the whole point. Like they like, were all. And I am a guard because
0: I've been given the microphone.
4: Well, I took it with a lifetime of talent. Um,
0: <laughs> they, they give them. They give them. They give them aviator. <laughs> is that the title of the show? Yes, it is. <laughs> We've got some good selections. They give them aviator glasses, and, and, and like, everything's a fantasy. Like prison guards don't necessarily always wear aviator sunglasses, but it's, like, it's a No, prop. but it's also
6: it, it, it's, um, uh, an image of authority. It's like when you can't see behind someone's eyes, or right. when you can't see their eyes. Empathy. Like-
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it, it,
6: everything about that—the the whole thing was designed just to remove humanity from the entire. When equation. they
0: interrogate suspects, they take advantage of that thing that Howie Mandel turned into a game show, the Prisoner's Dilemma. The, the, you take a suspect, you you want them to rat on each other. You 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 separate them. You make sure they can't see and touch each other, and you say to one, the other one says you did it. Now, what will you do? Will you, will you, your empathy is put to the test. Like, will you bother to walk as a lamb to the slaughter? Well, this other piece of shit that you don't know that I can tell you about is telling you that you're the one that did it? Or will you do the sensible thing to protect yourself and just tell me that that other person is a bad person? And that's the fucking internet. like it divides it divides eight billion people into individual cells. we cannot see or touch each other, and we are being told by headlines and and clickbait like that 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 we don't understand each other and that we are going to fuck each other over. but also
6: it, it in bringing it back to like a prison environment with the internet, there's no accountability, which is again how. Abu Ghraib happened. It's like you put a bunch of people that don't have the proper training in a,
4: um, a position of authority without any supervision, and I, fucked up shit's gonna happen. Against people that have no uh, habeas corpus and no no outside contact, like there's absolutely it's a it's a free for all. Right, it's a, it's a giant frat party. It's 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 nuts.
0: Uh, you've been in uh, rooms that you probably can't talk about, like the Last Jedi. Ooh, where, where you? Didn't you? No, I haven't been in rooms. I was
6: actually on the set of The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. Oh! Um, But I was also on the set of Rogue One.
3: Oh. Well, no, the set was cool. Well,
6: I just
0: talked to the set of Rogue One, and they said the set of The Last Jedi uh, is a piece of shit. (laughs) So either you fucking rat on them, and I don't know how that was.
4: (laughs) (laughs) If you could have pulled that rabbit out of my head.
0: There's nothing you can tell us. You can tell us about the emotional experience of being on a Star Wars set. Well, um, the,
6: the cool thing is I went over there when they were prepping for Last Jedi, or Episode 8, or whatever they're calling it.
1: Um, and I'd rather be a guard. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's so easy. It's so easy to be me. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to wait forty nine minutes. You say, "I say three words. It's great." <laughs> mm-hmm. uh. Sorry, you're. So-
4: okay, Dan. Well, it was nice speaking <laughs> with you. <laughs> you did the funniest thing in the show, and you've said three sentences.
1: It's a living. <laughs>
4: What, what kind of food did they get in the uh, in the uh, Stanford experiment? Shitty. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, Dan had uh,
6: mentioned before, they also did, like, there were two uh, cells that revolted and one that acquiesced. And so they gave them, like, a special meal from right, outside. Right. I mean, they were constantly, like, if
0: if uh, using um, things against other prisoners. But they made that up on the fly because of the a- actual instant need that they had mm-hmm. that the experiment hadn't predicted, which was that the prisoners would... Would band together and revolt? Oh, we're all together, so why don't we just outnumber them and do this or that? And then they were like, "Okay, now we divide you. Now we give them soup and not you soup. And then we we we,
6: take people out of one cell and put them. You know, if the three of you have become friends, we're going to break you up and put you in different." Groups.
0: The fact that we wouldn't see that lie happening when we talk about race and gender and everything else that divides us, in, we, we we talk so fucking rarely about income bracket. We, yeah, that, for, a, that, for a country that, that runs on the dollar.
4: That, that's we, creating a middle class by saying that you
0: got, yeah, you're you the privileged You create a prisoners. giant underclass of people of all shapes and sizes that are all poor, which is the only thing that matters. And so it's like very obvious the tricks that you play. When you look at prisons, you go like, oh, what do they do when they feel like at any moment like everybody might go run! <laughs> um, they wouldn't be able to do much uh, but not that I'm advocating for that and I don't know what that would look like. Uh, I guess all of us using toilet paper for pillows at the same time. Um, just try it or, or don't pay your income tax. I don't know. But it uh, was the, the, the uh, red beams form on my chest. Uh, but okay so Star Wars you were on the set and it was interesting they had lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah,
6: the, the coolest thing was I got to go in the Millennium Falcon, which is meticulously recreated. Now, what does that mean? It means, like... It means, there. well, there are two versions of it. There's one that's, like, an exterior version that they use, like, a full-size one, like, out in the world or whatever. Like, a, wait, what do you mean? Well, like, they shot in Ireland, and at one set they had, like, an exterior. It's not an exterior
0: full-size Millennium yes. Falcon. What do yes, you What? Yeah. But they built it, like, they a building? It. Yeah, like it's so like you like a, can walk in and out of it and see the cockpit from the outside and all that. Fuck you. But... <laughs> Why would they even do that? I would fire that line producer. CG that shit. What? Well, I mean,
6: uh, I don't know That's why That's amazing. They did I'm glad they did yeah, it. Yeah, they That's did great. it for episode
0: seven, and then
6: that was what was still standing, was not the exterior, but the interior. So you walk up basically the ramp of the Millennium Falcon, and then you're on, you're in the Millennium Falcon. Oh, my God. The whole God. thing. Like, how much?
4: The whole the whole, the the
6: whole, whole kit thing. and caboodle? All the way through, like, the holding area where they play chess and, um... <laughs> and into the cockpit and all that stuff. They I should just amortize stuff.
0: that with doing a Netflix sitcom. Like, like it just yeah. they could just pay for that whole thing with like six seasons of a workplace comedy <laughs> uh, it's a, called, called Millennium Nights. Apparently, it, it cost,
6: <laughs> it cost a shit ton of money because um, they went back and, like, when they made the original Millennium Falcon, half the stuff were all old airplane parts and stuff like that, and none of that existed anymore. So they had to go in, like, 3D print from reference photos, no. all this shit. So you walk in there, and it's like, oh, my God, I just walked into my fucking childhood. <laughs>
4: wait, wait, to, to what level of detail? Like, to every nook and cranny? Like, everything. Yep. So, like, yep. they, they could shoot anything there. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you
6: watch Force Awakens, I mean, there are shots where you walk through the whole thing, and that's
4: there.
0: God, that's what I'm saying. Like, dude, and that was like know, it shouldn't be a sitcom. It should be like an Aaron Sorkin, like, like what? Well, it's, it's like a West Wing. Like, it's like there's nothing but walking and talking in the Falcon. <laughs> What's your opinion? You can't, you, you you can't say anything about where Star Wars is at. I'll lay my cards at the table. I'm 44. I I saw Phantom Menace. I started crying. I got over it. I you started crying.
6: I started laughing.
0: I was like, Is this? Real? Maybe I was like a hollow I think I, I said you know, I said I said at the point where they went into the water and the uh, jabo planet. I, <laughs> I, I I just went I just went I I, I said I was sitting next to Shraub and I I, I I I went, Oh my god, it's the worst movie ever and Schraub was like Shh <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't mean we're in a movie theater, he meant like stop and like it might surprise us. Well, so um, Rob wanted someone else to be quiet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was just, we were just both there as the same team. We were like, we'd been waiting for this moment our entire lives. I started weeping during the 20th century Fox logo at the beginning of Phantom Menace. I had been waiting for that moment my entire life. That's not an exaggeration. I had been waiting for that moment my entire life. I
4: couldn't see Phantom Menace because I was in jail, motherfucker. <laughs>
0: Hollywood! Hollywood! Hollywood!
5: Hollywood! 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 Hollywood, Hollywood. Uh, you all seem to have a problem understanding simple communication. <laughs> now I see a couple of you are black, a couple of you are white. You all need to understand that you are animals. <laughs> Now, I'm going to give the white people free lasagna. Because y'all Garfield now. Y'all black people got to ask, do you hate Mondays?
0: Now try to rally them.
5: They've been divided. I, Stand up again. See if it still works. I, if I do, they're going to start chanting Hollywood. I don't believe you. They're, they're, half of them are women. now hold on hold on now hold on you all seem to have misunderstood what I said earlier now some of y'all seem to be doing some titty thinking I think a good half of y'all got titties and vaginas. I wonder if maybe they need to get some spaghetti on Wednesdays. <laughs> well, you can dangle your dicks in the pudding on Thursday.
0: I don't think I'd be a very good guard. <laughs> You'd be entertaining.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> That's all right. It's okay. 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 It's okay.
3: It's- Shut up! No!
5: You want Monster House? <laughs> Y'all need to start seeing the Monster House way of things. The eyes in the windows. Door open up, the carpet's a tongue. Scooping up you, if you're black or you're a woman, scoop you up.
4: Trick or treat. You make a bad. You make a bad warden. We found that out. Yeah. I make a bad. I'd make a bad Appalachian. Well, uh, oh, yeah, your warden, your Strother yeah. Martin could use some work. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. I'm bad. I'm bad at everything. Like, but here's the thing. Hey, no, I didn't ask for it. I don't need your bullshit. <laughs>
4: I'm not a populist autocrat. You know, Dan, maybe you need to, you need to go to prison or uh, jail and come back with a, with a nickname, and then people will just chant it on sight when they see you. What, what do you think your jail nickname would be?
5: Chowder! Chowder! Chowder?
4: <laughs> Did from you Ma- just say that in the thickest Boston accent in the world? Chow- Chowder?
0: Chowder? Oh, from Monster House. <laughs> it's a character from Monster House. No, you haven't seen it. Okay, all right. <laughs> Whoa... Just, I just resemble a person that should be called Chowder.
3: No. That
0: has That's to be fine. a Monster House reference. Of course it would. No, no. He, the blank stare does not lie. <laughs> he, 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 no, he said Chowder from his fucking heart because I'm... <laughs> I get it, I get it. There's no For the way. same reason I named that character Chowder. There's, I'm like,
4: there's uh, no way he said one of the three main characters from your movie I as. I've not seen it. There's an For easy real. way. That's no, like, wow. it's
0: like he's the sad fat guy in the movie, and you, having not seen the movie, you said the same thing I did. You named a sad fat guy from your heart. I have no ill will against you. Now, if you come in my window tonight, unless I'm seeing wrong. You're dead. <clears throat> it would be a wicked retarded move to trespass. No offense to the actual wicked retarded.
1: <laughs> isn't 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 your sister one retarded? of which is my
4: sister? Yeah. Yes. Wait, she's a cool person from Boston. No,
0: my sister's institutionalized in Madison. What do you?
1: Yeah, Yeah. way to bring it down,
4: Jeff <laughs> <laughs> Pretty fucked up <laughs> Drag my sister into it No, but that, that's not what that phrase means It's more of a term of endearment there I agree, that's why I said no offense to yeah. just, Tim, just, Tim, Tim, uh, what do we hi, t- t- Tim, t- don't listen to him <laughs> Fuck, no, Tim face me for a moment go ahead do, do Jeff go talk to Hollywood what you're going to see is Dan for the next five or so minutes before we finish the show is just still mad about people chanting Hollywood so he's going to he's going to try everything he can to to sort of salvage some sort of uh, some dignity out of this whole thing and he's going to bring you down with that ship <laughs> that's fine Yeah. Well, okay you can go back to Dan now i just Thank
0: you. Tim, I feel like what you just saw was when they chanted Hollywood, Jeff was stimulated on a level we didn't realize.
4: Uh, wow. Well, is that why he's sitting down? It, it, yes. That's why this podium is so large.
5: We could talk about... What's this,
0: what's this script that was on the blacklist, Balls Out, for the... Oh.
6: Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, Balls Out was this script that I wrote with another guy named uh, Malcolm Spellman, um, under the pseudonym of the Robotard 8000. <laughs> right. So, we wrote the script, it was during the writer strike, um, the last one, and we just were like, fuck it, let's write what we want to write, not um, anything for anyone in particular. And um, we finished it, we brought it to our representatives, and they were like, no fucking way, we're not taking this script out, it's too offensive. And literally, like, nobody would take it out. Um, I had a couple of friends that we were commiserating with and just said, well, fuck it. Just throw it up on the internet and see what happens. So The script itself. Yeah. So I created a website that looks like it was created by a differently abled robot. Um, and, uh, and had some friends that were screenwriters just give us, like, a blurb if they liked it. And um, all of a sudden, it just took off. And as of, like, last week, it's been downloaded almost 200,000 times, wow. which is insane.
0: Um, I think,
6: yeah. Yeah, and it's the only the only script so far that's ever gotten on the blacklist without ever being sent out.
3: Huh, you nice. know, people
6: read it afterwards, but but it, it never officially went out for anyone to really so is it like, uh, what's Jerry Lewis's one? Uh, the, the Day the Clowns Oh, The Day the Clowns Cried, Clowns oh. cried? yeah. But we did we did actually, um, the Blacklist podcast, we did we did a stage reading of it. Oh, really? Yeah, and recorded that actually, it's like, oh, well, yeah, this is a movie, this does work. So that was kind of fun.
0: Blacklist is the thing that I o- I'm only familiar with third hand. Like, I've never actually gone to anything and seen anything. I My studio has optioned a script that was... Number one on the blacklist, I know that. I can repeat that to people, but it, that's not how it was brought to me.
6: Now, the blacklist, yeah, again, it's one of those things. It's, it's just a bit of a popularity contest. When it first started out, it was literally this guy, Franklin Leonard, just asked his friends what were their favorite movie script that they'd read. And he put them all together and made a list out of it. And then now it's become this sort of other entity. Um, but, you know, I, the, the idea, though, that, that we ended up pretty high on the blacklist without – Ever, like, you know, our whole thing was like, this is a, a fucking balls out comedy. You got to send it to everybody. You send it to the entire town, and like 5% are going to love it. And they wouldn't send it to
0: anybody. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it's. Um, you should read it, Dan. What it's quite so, fun. do, do, you, uh, do you, you? If you think describing the conceit will just make it sound through in this kind, no, it'll sound stupid. Again, the whole idea was to just like
6: we just were like fuck it about every rule of screenwriting while adhering to every rule of screenwriting. Uh-huh. So it's it's basically it's about a guy who um, you know has been leading his life the way society tells him to, which is you know if I do if I keep my head down and do good work, I'll get you know the white picket fence and the house and the wife and the two kids. And he comes to a point where he realizes that, like, nothing in his life is going his way. He gets struck by lightning. Um, has a moment where he realizes that there's nothing after life. <laughs> but the reality is it's actually, like, the, the, the circle of light opens up behind him. He's just too dumb to look around. And he, comes, he wakes back up, and he's just like, fuck it. I want, I'm going to make a list of things. I want that girl, that car, and that job. Because he got hit by lightning? Because he realized there's no point to anything. There's no point to waiting and following rules. So he just goes balls out, basically, and just starts doing whatever is necessary to to get what he wants and then realizes, of course... you know That he's president of
0: the United States. That he's
6: president of the United
0: States. (laughs) That was
4: awesome. We could have. The laugh
0: meter got close to show closer. I I know, but we are... (laughs) We're we're, we're trying to we're trying to go on a a show a runtime diet. Uh, Like, come on, we should really cut these calories. And
4: uh,
3: if
0: they if they react loudly enough, we should just end the show. Like,
3: rap
4: battle, Stanford rap, Stanford (laughs) guard versus prisoner, guard versus prisoner. All right. Well, we
0: make all the guests uh, do a rap. (laughs) We 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 don't really, you know. (laughs) Yo, 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 Stanford,
5: Stanford yo, Stanford, rap. I'm a guard because you gave me a badge. I'm going to fuck your mama so hard I'm resizing her
0: badge. I got a nightstick, I got sunglasses. Going to lock you all up and patrol your ass. going to tell you to recite your numbers. I'm going to go through you like I go through Tumblr at night and look for bad reviews of my script. <laughs> My name is Guard Number 7 2. We don't have names like you. I mean, we don't have names, comma, like
5: you. My name is Guard Number 7 2. I, I got up this morning, what did I do? I brushed my teeth, I ate some beef, I went out the
0: door, and I, I, I hung up a wreath. Because the date of this rap is December 15th. I went! I,
5: I, I went! I, uh, I went to the mailbox, and I,
0: I pulled out some mail, and I pulled out some socks. The socks weren't on my feet where they go, so I went down the street and started to mow a lawn, and, 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 and then I put on the socks. MC Tim Talbot! No.
4: Thank you for coming to Town everybody. Let's hear it for Tim Talbot.
3: Shut up,
5: you sons of bitches! Hollywood, Hollywood, you have Hollywood, no power!
3: Hollywood, Hollywood, You're animals! Hollywood, Hollywood,
4: Hollywood, Let's hear it for Spencer Cretton, everybody.
5: We're in Chicago next week.
1: Oh, yes, you Chicago. Are. Next week
4: we're in Chicago. I won't be there.
0: But Jeff won't be there, but Brandon Johnson will be in Chicago. But then the week after that will be our last show at Meltdown.
1: Steve is making a... Nope. Steve is making a face like that's not It's not true. There's two more, I think,
4: right? What? April first, Harman Town, Chicago. Look, just look, look, go on the Googles, you guys. We don't have it on Google. That's what? why we have to say it here. All right, but the thing is, uh, we're, we're nearing at the end of our, our tenure here at Getting the uh, at the meltdown, and we're going to be doing it at the castle at Starburns, which is even more fun if you haven't been before.
0: Well,
1: <laughs> yes, you have to drive to Burbank. Well, you Bank. don't have to come. Burbank hater. Let's thank Zach,
4: Chris, and Sarah backstage for doing everything cool. Church for taking all of our photos. Everybody here at Meltdown for being wonderful. All of our lovely friends. Your mayor, Dan Harmon, everybody. Oh,
1: I'm sorry, I forgot to mention my name. (laughs) You motherfucker.
5: This isn't over. Hollywood, this isn't over, you Hollywood, piece of shit. Hollywood, no! Hollywood, don't leave me here with these animals. Get back to your cells. Get back to your cells. You were born less than human. You deserve less.
3: All right,
0: I can't stay mad at you. Get back to your cells. Free toilet paper pillows for all of you. Tim Talbot, everybody. Go watch the Stanford Prison Experiment. I think it's very uh, relevant. Spencer.
1: Yep. April 1st. We're coming to Chicago. April 1st. All right. Get out of here.